Hey y'all. So this morning I got to sit down with Constance from Ghost Rock Digital. Ghost Rock Digital, according to their website, is a content creation and digital brand management agency. Check out our services, photography, videography, copywriting, ghostwriting, social media management, digital strategy, graphic design, web updates and local SEO, live stream production, customer relationship management, social media ad placement. She is strong in all the areas that I am weak and I loved our conversation. I learned so much from her and I hope you get a lot out of this too. Hey, good morning, everyone. I'm here with Constance Dunn of Ghost Rock Digital and Vintage Voyages. Vintage Voyages, Vintage Voyage. Voyage. Vintage Voyage. Um, and I believe a couple other things maybe you mentioned. In the future, yeah. In the future, okay, that's cool. So we met through Bridget Fettese's Locals Community um, and right off the bat, I was impressed by Constance's creativity and resilience because you came on just about as lockdown was happening, right? And it was totally messing with your business or what was? Yeah, I think it was this summer actually after we'd been in okay. lockdown for okay. a handful of months. Maybe it was the fall. I'm, I haven't, I feel like I haven't been in the fantasy community too long, but it does feel like it feels longer because a lot of the connections yeah. made there seem deeper and more genuine than other social platforms for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's home for sure. So why ghost rock? I've always been curious about that. Um, the name is actually, uh, my husband's sitting right here and he had something to do with that too. So <laughs> I'm going to give him some credit sitting over there because it was ultimately his word combo but we were in the midst of brainstorming um short powerful sounding phrases that had consonants okay. at the end and a nice yeah. clip to them and that was really the only premise it doesn't okay. necessarily mean anything in the same way that like google or yahoo or anybody needs right. it's just word that's funny to say and that's sticks in point. friends yeah so we were kind of going that route yeah. um and uh it just came out of his mouth and then we found out we, i was like that's it that's the thing that's what it is now that's and awesome. you know people ask us what it means and occasionally we'll make something up just to i don't know just to mess with them um, and people do call us the ghost yeah. um i think that's that that came after the name of the company um but mm -hmm. i mean it is true that we sort of like when we work with businesses we kind of take over their online presence so, and mm -hmm. the idea is we take it over in such an authentic way, you never know we're there. So there is ah. sort of a relationship. Yeah, it's like ghostwriting right. kind of thing, but ghost marketing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And mark, some marketing companies are good at that, others are, are not, it's very obvious, they're paying someone to manage it. We try, to act, we try to perceive how the business would act, were they doing it themselves? Okay. And then just do, do it, as them but at a high level as if they knew exactly what they were doing but it's their voice okay. so well, if they're like a very sassy you know mm -hmm. um unfiltered business owner then that's what we are we don't you know, okay. we will talk in their voice when we respond yeah. to questions and write content and things like that if they're more even keel and corporate whatever then that's what we are you know like so that's mm. that's I, there is a relationship to that ghost thing but that only came yeah. into being after we had the company name. It wasn't because of that. Uh, so how'd you get into marketing? Um, by accident, completely. I wanna hear the story, I love yeah, it. So my background's actually in the arts. So I used to be an actor back in the day. 
So cool. Um, I remember reading some of your posts about that and like you traveled a lot, right? Yeah, yes, I did. And but I was an actor in Chicago mainly. I'm doing like ensemble theater stuff, making no money, basically. <laughs> um, no, I mean, nobody made, I mean, I, my taste in what I liked to do was not a genre that would ever make money. I had like, you know, I liked doing like dark, absurdist, Europe, you know, stuff from Europe. <laughs> Love you know, it. That didn't have like a wide mass appeal. And, um, you know, I had to think of ways to make a living uh, and of course, like I waited tables, I bartended, I did all the things you do when you're an actor to actually make the rent. Yeah. Um, it's not as prevalent in Chicago, but I mean, you meet a lot of your colleagues at these restaurants, on the yeah. back end of these restaurants. Um, and I guess, you know, I sort of was just like a lost soul moving from one odd job to the next. Um, mm -hmm. And I even got like, part of a master's degree in alternative medicine that I never finished because I was like well at least I'll have the master's degree like student loan money that I can set aside for something else so I was like I'll just go to go. school and collect the student loan money so I have a little bit of capital to do something with and that's what ultimately got me out of the country is that I just got sick of the whole hustle of um the industry of acting I hated going to commercial auditions um, and that was really the only way to make money at the time as an actor in Chicago of all places, which is not, I mean, typically people go to New York or LA, right? Mm -hmm. And those are the three big cities. Chicago's like the third of those. And usually you're going to Chicago because you kind of want a middle-class life and another job, but you enjoy acting, <laughs> you know what I mean? There you go. Yeah. I was trying to make a living doing it, which, you know, you do like summer stock in the, in the summertime. And hopefully Chicago Shakespeare or the Steppenwolf will like just recognize your genius and put you in a equity role, you know, equity actor yeah. roles on stage and blah, blah, blah. And that's what everybody's dream is. Um, and ultimately what they end up doing is becoming university professors. Like that, you know, <laughs> so sad. Actors. I mean, that's what I said too. And then you know, yeah. I start saying that out loud. It was like, this is ultimately my end. So I'm just going to, yeah. but I don't enjoy teaching and I've done it in the past, yeah. but I, was, I said, I don't want that. I don't want to be, yeah. I mean, and I was hanging out with people who were like theater can save the world. I'm like, are you guys, I, no, it's not like you're in this. <laughs> I mean, theater yeah. saving nobody. I mean, you're starving to that time and you're, you're performing for, you know, 50 people who all can have, can make a great living doing something else and have this niche mm -hmm. hobby, you know what I mean? Like, and you're charging like 50 bucks a ticket. So, you know, the person on the street, you say you, you support can't afford to see your show. And that's the reason you say you're doing it. I mean, there's a lot of hypocrisy in it, like any art form. And I started to get, that left a bad taste in my mouth over time. Yeah, I can so see I closed that. my last show and I, the next day I got in a plane to Spain and it didn't come back for six years. <laughs> so, and the re and what paid for that was my the the money I got for the master's degree that I didn't finish. I just like put it in a bank account. I lived very frugally on like nothing, like on rice and whatever, and just was like, I at least I have something to fall back on because I have a feeling there's mandate here to this game that I'm playing. So that's what I, I that's what I took that money to get overseas, and then I found another way to make a living. And the, I'm coming back around to the marketing thing. So hold up a second. You know, so, you're not loving this. So um, I started writing when I was overseas. I started just making content, and this was in the days when, like, eHow. I don't I remember if you remember that website. Vaguely, yes. 
like a yeah. wicked wow, you know. To yeah, do I still get hits for that sometimes, and I'm like, how do I do this plumbing thing or As this electrical thing? Yeah, yeah. I mean, in the, these are the early days when like websites were being built, and they needed a flood of content quickly, and they were mm. willing to pay anybody to just create it for them and they would pay per article and so once you got approved by doing like one test article you choose from a variety of titles that were based off of what people were searching for on search engines because this was okay. yeah so that that was still a thing that that was, that was mm -hmm. happening and um you would select like a number of titles that you want and it would be it, it was a volume game not necessarily like an interest game so you would select titles you think you can research quickly and that you can write about and sound like you know what you're talking about. So I would take like 20 to 30 of those a week and I would just like pound them out in like three days or something. Some of them were total crap and an editor would send them back and be like, you're an idiot. And then I'd have to redo them, but then I would try to like pound them out so I could make enough money to move to the next country location or wherever it was I was going. So I started getting really good at it. Like, so I could, at first I was awful at it and it would be like a 50-50 game whether or not the article would be publishable without any changes. Okay. Um, but I got better and better and better and better. And then I got to the point where I could produce content really fast, like much mm. faster than say a normal writing process and research it really fast. And mm -hmm. I started getting really good at writing copy, which I'd already, I've always been like a writer when I was acting. And I was also like writing, directing, I used to produce theater. I was like a managing director mm -hmm. for a small theater. I had to write grants. So I'd always been a part of my life anyway. And looking back when I was younger, I got a lot of accolades for writing as well that I just ignored because I was like, I'm going to be an actress. So I never <laughs> with the hair flip every time. I'm oh, everywhere. Um, and I, was, <laughs> I was an absolute idiot and didn't listen to anybody. Very stubborn. And I was like, I'm going to be an actress. So I don't know what that's like at all. I'm, I'm I mean, so, but you know, looking back, I was more naturally a writer anyway. So it, it was sort of like coming back around. And so, um, once that was sort of in place, I found myself um, in Belgrade, Serbia, and I was, um, uh, I really liked the people in the Balkans, and I, I felt at home there, and um, I ended up staying in Belgrade for, for quite some years, and that's where I met my husband, he's Serbian, so, so, cool. um, so for a few years, and while I was living there, I got associated with this um, company whose owner became my English student. So he was doing, he was like the CEO of this company who wanted conversational English lessons to talk to his clients. So he was my English student and we would just, you know, sit and shoot the, shoot the shit. Where's, I can say shit, right? This is Liberty sure, Square. why not, why not? Uncensored. So anyway, <laughs> we're sitting there um, talking and he, uh, he said, you know, uh, his manager wanted to know if I was a writer and I was like, yeah, it just so happens I am. He's like, well, we need, We've gotten a lot of complaints from our clients who are outsourcing their social media mm -hmm. content to mm -hmm. us and they were all clients from the states and they were getting complaints that the language didn't feel natural okay. so i had to i was like well let me proofread and edit it for you to start with so they would mm -hmm. send me floods of content they were doing for restaurants in dc for like hotels mainly in the washington district uh, washington dc area um I'm not going to say the names of the brands because they're really yeah, that's fine, that's fine. And I don't yeah. I don't want to put myself in that position, but they were like major brands all around the DC area who were outsourcing to Serbia because Serbia has that's a wild. high concentration of highly educated people who are pretty fluent in English or very fluent in English and a lot of tech talent, but it's mm -hmm. much cheaper. 
like significantly cheaper just because yeah. the economy there is, is not great. So yeah. they'll work for cheap and produce high quality content. So they outsource it over there. But there was something about the, like I said before, the language didn't feel like it had that native flow to it. So it has to do with like how you use slang and idioms and sort of things yeah. that come naturally when you're a native speaker that are difficult to learn on the other side, no matter how formally fluent you might be, you know? Mm -hmm. So I became their proofreader editor. So all of the content they were doing for all these companies would go through me and I'd, I'd fix it all. Um, and then it got to the point where like they, to, to cut down one of the steps for efficiency, they wanted me to directly write all of this. So I became, I wrote all the content for them um, for all these brands in DC. And that was like my job, my freelance, my main freelance job in Belgrade was doing that. And I actually started a company in Belgrade, <laughs> filling out forms in a language I didn't understand. Crazy story. So I got really comfortable with the process of dealing with patiently, dealing with bureaucracy in a different language and building infrastructure and all that stuff. And it, it became, uh, you know, I became quite com confident in that over, over the years of having worked freelance up to this point for a few years. Mm -hmm. So um, then when we got back to the States, um, my husband and I were looking for something to do. I mean, we came back with nothing in our pockets. So we had to, we had to work and I have a bizarre resume as I just explained. Like people look at you and they're like, well, you have a lot of education, but it's like all over the map and you're doing this and you're doing that and, and blah, 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 blah. And I got, I did actually get a master's degree in survey too. So I came back with like a thesis and all this other, this, that. But oh, wait, you did a master's in Serbia? I did. I got a master's degree at the University of Arts Belgrade for, in an inter international program. So my classmates were like from China, from France, from Italy, from wherever. We were all in the room together. And you've um, done all the things. Yeah, well, that's the problem. <laughs> you come back and yeah. you do all the things on a resume. And employers don't want to see that. So mm -hmm. uh, you come back to a sort of a conservative town, and I don't mean conservative right. in but um, the traditional style sense. Yeah. You present them a resume with all this like, you know, whatever. They're, yeah. they're, they go cross-eyed. They're like, I don't even know what to do with you. But clearly, because I don't know what to do with you, you can't be governed in an office environment. I, you cannot also, be governed. That's what I love about you. <laughs> I mean, you can't. And also, I mean, I don't play. I can't say I blame them because they're right, actually. And I didn't have anything on my resume that was like, I'm a good office worker. Nothing on my resume said that. So right. when you have a resume that looks like you marched to the beat of a different drum, you're going to have to march to that beat that's yours for the rest of your life because no one will know what to do with you when you apply for a job. This is what I discovered. Mm, yeah. So here I am like late, I mean, I'm in my thirties and I have a that, I mean, I've always supported myself in the wildest of ways. I've never not paid a bill, you know? So it's not a question of reliability. Mm -hmm. It's a question of like, who are you? You know, yeah, and then you have to answer that question pretty quick if you want to make a living. So I applied for something mm. like fifty jobs, and no one called me for an interview. Not oh one. Oh my gosh! Yeah. How, did, how discouraging was that? Like, and then how did you cope with those feelings? I mean, it's it's a crappy feeling to feel like you belong nowhere. You know, mm. in the beginning, and you're like, well, wow, yeah. I really the city doesn't want me. You know, <laughs> like that's yeah. like. Um, and I've never been, I was, I mean, I went to a high school in Louisville, so this is sort of, I've only lived here once before for a few years, and I didn't like it then. So it was just like re 
instilling these feelings that I had from my childhood, you know, where I was like, well, I was right about this town, you know, <laughs> like, but, um, and it, it skews your perspective that way. Cause you're like, there really isn't a place for me here. But then I just got, then I became a little bit pissed off. And there is something about being a little bit pissed off. That is a great motivational tool. Mm -hmm. Gives right? you a little so, bit of fire. Right. You're like a little bit pissed off. Like, hold on, hold on a second. Why can't we be different here? Like, what the hell is stopping me? I mean, I'm an adult. I have like, I, I can see things around me that are opportunities that other people clearly don't see. So why don't I make them? Cause I mean, like, I mean, I don't know, not to offend your audience, but fuck it. <laughs> I mean, like, like I, I'm an adult. I have my own, you know, I have a lot of things in the world that I've seen that other people who live here maybe haven't seen. So maybe let's show them a little bit and stop, mm -hmm. you know, let's not get stuck in the quagmire and become whiny. Let's just, you know, fucking do something with our lives. So that's what it, st it started doing. And I, you know, I was like, I'll just start doing, I'll start with what I know. I'm a freelancer. I'm just start going to start freelancing because at least that'll get some income. Mm -hmm. So we started doing that and it turned, it began to turn into a thing, you know, because my parent, it, what helped a lot, and I cannot stress this, is my parents and family had lived here by this point for about 20 years. So they knew people in mm -hmm. town and having that working. Yes. And that having that step up really helps a lot. So mm -hmm. they were like, okay, I have a kid who's back in town who mm -hmm. came back from Europe and like being having travel around Europe and then telling people you've done that and you've come back to Kentucky has a, gives you a little bit of clout because they're like, Oh, mm -hmm. you're kind of interesting. You know? So I did use that to my advantage to be like, I just got back from Europe, you know, <laughs> <laughs> from the continents. Right. So it kind of gets you in with a little bit of the upper echelon people because they're like, mm -hmm. okay, well this person's interesting, you know? So mm -hmm. then you start talking about your skill. You can kind of like fit your skill set into a conversation somehow. Mm -hmm. I'm intrigued. And then that leads to a little job and you do that little job well. And then that leads to another little job. Mm -hmm. And then that sort of started to happen. And so we landed our biggest job, which was the largest hotel in the state. And so we got that because of a connection through my family. And we happened to be drinking absinthe with the CEO. <laughs> All good things start with absinthe, right? Yeah. So nothing ever goes wrong. I mean, yeah. I mean, it, was, <laughs> it wasn't the real absinthe, but it was absinthe. Okay. Okay. And like hanging out with that. And we just happened to be in a situation that was casual and an environment where we were comfortable. And that mm -hmm. makes it, that helps a lot when you can shine at your best. And, um, he was intrigued by us, not because of like, not because mm -hmm. we had a PowerPoint presentation or like we had presented all of our skill sets. Um, because my husband at this point, my husband's really, um, I'm talking about you. <laughs> Hi, Constance is out there. Um, he, he's uh, very technically gifted as well, but also mm. like a, a mechanical perfectionist. So mm. any, you give him a task that's like, you're like, learn how to, for instance, he was not a photographer. And so we started this company and mm -hmm. I was like, okay. And it wasn't like we said, become a photographer. He's like, I'm going to figure it out because it makes us money. And now he's mm -hmm. better than anyone we've hired who has a degree in years of experience. And he knows more about cameras than anyone we've hired as a contractor. And just a few years time, like he's very impressively precise, like mechanically precise and, and mm -hmm. like tunnel vision focused. Mm -hmm. So he, something about the way we were talking about what we do impressed this particular business leader. 
And then um, he, he didn't say he was going to offer us a job there or whatever, but we can tell we intrigued him. So I went down to the office the next day, hand wrote on a business card. And this, at this time, we were still using my freelance name and the legal name of our company, which is actually my name. Um, it's like Constance Adon Creative Content Services. It's a stupid boring name. But that's the legal name. And so I had an a old business card. And then I was like, I wrote, hand wrote on it. Um, Thanks for hanging out with us the other day. Um, I'd love an opportunity to come meet with you more officially. And I just left it on his desk. And then two days later, his VP of sales called and was like, I hear I have to have a meeting with you guys. So then I was like, okay, time to put on a business jacket or whatever and go on downtown. <laughs> so so that's, what, that's what we did. And, and we brought like sort of a, I mean, I guess we did a, a presentation with like, uh, we pitched them some money like this is how much we would charge for these services based off we kind of looked around the market value of the city and then lowered ours by like 20 percent. so we mm. so whoever he was interviewing we knew we were going to lower. and then yeah. we, we came in and we did a pitch for them and we were hired like the next day for a contract we ended up working with them for over four years so it was because of that one really valuable relationship it scattered mm -hmm. and now then we met a bunch of other clients through that you know what i mean mm -hmm. So we started off with like small businesses, slowly building, and then it took one big client and it, then it spread like a spider, you know what I mean? So that's, that's, gen, that's how it worked. And then we kind of solidified our brand. We came up with the ghost rock as a, as a brand name. Cause before it was just like a freelance name and we weren't really sure. We had to do it first before we came up with a brand for it because it's a services based mm -hmm. industry. So it had to reflect what we were going to become, not what we were in the beginning. So, huh. sorry, I'm thinking about that. I'm going to be thinking about that all day. Yeah. I mean, when you set up, like we have a very like collaborative kind of team environment. So it's not just about, you know, one visionary at the top or something. And mm -hmm. you have to kind of feel like, what's the vibe and what do we want the vibe mm -hmm. to be in the future? Mm -hmm. Not what it is right now, but what is our aspirational vibe? I want to make a brand for that because that, then it's actually it's a practical decision because it saves you money you know what i mean if you change right. significantly from the time you open a business to your end game whatever your goal mm -hmm. is mm -hmm. you're going to have to rebrand at some point there and rebranding is very expensive takes a lot of time and it confuses mm -hmm. your customer or your client base mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so we wanted to create a brand that was future oriented for what mm -hmm. we wanted to be not what we were at the time we came up with so I want to hear what your aspirational vibe and what you wanted to be was, and do you feel like you're there now or are you still growing in that direction? Uh, we're still growing in that direction. And I think COVID really smacked us in the face. Like we were further along and then we had to backtrack a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, it's a miracle we'll still, we'll still, we're still open. So, I mean, mm -hmm. there's a lot of marketing agencies have not been, but yeah. they closed pretty soon because you know, that you rely on, all, you know, all those other industries to feed into mm -hmm. your services industry or your services yeah. company. And a lot of them didn't survive. So and being hospitality focused as we were, that's even, that was another strike against us during COVID because every single mm -hmm. one of our clients were forced to shut down, you know? Yeah. So, um, uh, but yeah, so that took a step, but I think we're growing back in that direction now. So I had posted in Liberty Square recently. I showed I just a screenshot of the graph. Yeah. Of our, like if you could see it, like it was spiking, like mm -hmm. it had a huge <laughs> spike in early 2020, <laughs> and then it was nothing. 
Like we had like no income for like four months. And then it like slowly is ebbing up and it's kind of starting to stabilize, but it's not anywhere near where it was like the beginning of 2020. Yes. I mean, it's going to take us another year at least, I think, to get up to that peak. So, yeah. So what helped you hang in there for those four months? How did you keep going? Well, we had, a, because we had such a good first quarter of 2020, we had okay. resources. Okay. <clears throat> so we had savings essentially that we mm -hmm. could fund, keep covering our expenses for the few months mm -hmm. following just based off of the revenue we brought in in the first quarter. Um, cool. We also, I'm so glad you had that. I mean, it was really a gift. I mean, it was some kind of divine intervention for real. I mean, I'm not a religious person, but there are certain mm -hmm. instances in life where you're like, hang on a second. Yeah. <laughs> and that was definitely one of them. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, that was, that was a bit, but it was stressful. I mean, like I didn't sleep very well at all, if at all, for like two weeks trying to figure out, but then, you know, down came the, the assistance programs started to come down the pipeline and we were eligible for all of them because we had lost so much revenue. So I just started filling out forms and I was like, here we go with the bureaucracy again. And that stuff, I actually have a gift at being very patient with. So that, so all of that paperwork, taxes, all of that stuff, I can figure out pretty quickly and I know how to talk to people who work in those positions and how to mm -hmm. fill out forms properly and all that stuff. So just going through the motions of all the bureaucracy, filling out the forms, mm -hmm. getting the money in the accounts, all of that stuff. And fortunately it all came through pretty quickly for us. So mm -hmm. um, we didn't have to wait too long to get that in place. Um, but but yeah, that helped, that did help a lot. Although and I never like taking it. Like I don't like having to take handouts at all. It, it's not good for your mm -hmm. psychology as a business mm -hmm. owner or, or as a person, but we, it was absolutely necessary in this particular case. So, you know. Yeah, it's completely outside of your control. I, mm -hmm. I hate everything about it, but I'm like, yeah, if you're going to shut everything down, I guess you have to, you know, and that's partly why I hated the shutdown. I'm like, do you know how much this is going to screw everyone over down the road? Like, yes, it, it is. And it's going to screw them for years. And they're in the mm -hmm. news. I mean, you'll hear a lot of like news going, the economy is moving back up again, but nobody's going to see that for years. No. No. They're just basing it off of uh, stock prices, which is not a good premise for any sort of like real on the ground economic development. Yeah, or, or, I thought I thought we had already learned like Wall Street, what's happening there does not reflect what's happening on the ground for the vast majority of us. Like I thought we knew this and it's just the lesson needs to be. Well, I mean, we know that, Yeah. but <laughs> I mean, it, I feel like the people who are making decisions that directly affect mm -hmm. small business owners have never actually owned a small business, right. nor have the people who are reporting on these decisions are right. <laughs> you know, they're basically doing what they're told on the news. Yeah. And like, they, they can only go off the information that they can perceive, you mm -hmm. know, in a moment because they're moving quickly and they're just pulling info from whoever's providing it and mm -hmm. trying to like turn it into like a one, two sentence thing. So that they've never run a business, they don't know. And the people who are making decisions for businesses yeah. also have never run a small business. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, that it's a problem, really. Yeah. Yes, it is. But you are all about solutions. And I love that about you. I love that, like, it doesn't seem like you've ever let an obstacle 
stop you from moving forward. Like you're like, oh, there's a problem here. Here's how I hop over it or go around it or whatever. Like make your own path through it, blow it up in the middle and walk right through it. Like that's what it sounds like you do. Oh, well, I mean, thank you for that. That's a really positive spin on it. Um, <laughs> I'm saying. I mean, and then, I mean, to put it in a, in a way from, I mean, from my perspective, it's interesting. It's always interesting to hear how other people think of you and your actions because mm -hmm. when you internalize, I mean, I don't think of it that way. I think of, mm -hmm. see, I'm a, I'm totally terrified of stasis or anything that holds still for too long. So I find that is the death of creativity to me. It has mm -hmm. to move always, all the time moving. So, mm -hmm. and changing and like uh, learning new things and it, 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 I think it's tied into just not being bored because I find that boredom is a vice for me that I do bad things when I'm bored, you know? So now I want to hear about the, <laughs> I mean, oh, you know, just like, about that now. Oh, we can talk about it for sure. I mean, like just stupid stuff. That's very ordinary. Like I like drink too much, okay. you know what I mean? Or like, you know, just get lazy, you know, <laughs> like, you know, like, yeah. you know, things that I think that a lot of people could relate to, but I, mine specifically is related to me staying still in one place for too long. And whether that means like, that could be very literal, like physical stillness and not like not being able to travel mm. makes me feel a little bit crazy. You know what I mean? Cause that to yeah. me is a very natural thing. I move yeah. all the time, yeah. you know, like yeah. I, I, I've moved between cities. I moved between countries. I'm just, that's what you do. You just move, you know? So not being able to do that feels so mm -hmm. claustrophobic, even though yes. I can go, take a day trip like yesterday and I was telling you about it before we started this interview but that's not far enough you know like that's yeah. just um and then the other thing is like not moving forward on a macro level you know what I mean mm -hmm. like just being static and sort of settling in and being okay you know, like just being like this is good enough you know and just stopping progress on yourself mm -hmm. that's a very scary thing to me and I find, you know, I find myself very judgmental of people who just settle in and go, yeah, that's good enough. And they stop mm -hmm. like growing and changing. I do get very judgmental of them. And maybe that's not fair to do, but I find that is like, you could perceive it as a positive thing. It, it isn't, it could be in business a hundred percent, which is probably one of the reasons why I ended up here. You know, mm -hmm. it could be a very positive thing to have someone who doesn't like stasis and wants change and growth and is a problem solver in general in charge of things, that could be definitely why I ended up here. But it's also something that I could see being perceived as a weakness because it makes me very judgmental of people who are probably decent people, you know, who are very practical people who probably, you know, who settle into their, their mm -hmm. lives because they have, uh, they have to be dependable for a family or something like that. And, that I think is very noble and respectable, but I still have that, that little like voice in the back of my head. that's like, no, that's not, you gotta move, you know, <laughs> you gotta move mm -hmm. forward. You gotta take risks, you gotta move forward all the time. So that, that is, it's partially that energy that helps me like problem solve because, because that there is no pro problem that's big enough that's going to help me overcome that fear of stasis. So I, I prefer to smash right through the problem and deal with the consequences than like settle in and be like, oh no, this is too big for me. So. Girl, I need your voice in my ear like 24 seven because I am the opposite. <laughs> <laughs>
I'm like, it's too big. I'm just going to stay here. I'm trying though. Like this is part of the trying and connecting with you is so helpful because I'm like, well, oh, Constance did it. Well, look, look what you've done so far. You started your own community. Now you're doing interviews. Um, you started your own business. I don't know when that happened. What year did you start your? So that was 2019. Um, and I was doing like farmers markets and there was a street fair, um, the first Friday of every month in my little town. It was very cute. Um, and that venue like was really starting to blow up. Like none of the other places I tried were that profitable. And it was like, my setup was very intense. <laughs> um, cause I had like tons of different products and it would take us an hour to set up, hour to tear down. Uh -huh. Um, and then the nighttime venue, that first Friday's thing, um, included like fairy lights and lanterns and it was a whole production. Uh -huh. Um, but anyways, and then COVID hit like a few months in. And so, you know, of course that shut down and, um, I didn't ever want to sell online ever. <laughs> um, but I mean, what else was I going to do? I had product that I needed to move. So I was like, okay, website it is. Um, so what was the last thing that came through? I asked you if you built your own website. Yes, I did. I used Squarespace. Okay. Well, there you go. I mean, you've done all these things. Yeah. Since, and just a last year and a half, you did all of those things. So, I mean, this sounds to me like someone who knows how to solve a problem. Just best on an action alone. Yeah. So, I mean, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad to have been part, of, like to help you push that forward. Yeah, um, thank you. It's nice to hear that for sure. It's nice to hear that. And I mean, I can't stop, so I'm always going to push. <laughs> so I'm glad to hear that people appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, and I mean, Fetacy was the main reason that I was like, okay, I can launch this thing because, like, I would post paintings or, you know, whatever. And someone would be like, I want to buy that, ship that to me. And I was like, I guess I have to figure this out. So, yeah. <laughs> it's it's amazing how supportive that community has, is with each other's yeah. endeavors. Um, I mean, I spend a lot of time on social because we run all the profiles for our clients. And like, even before that we were, I was an early user and, you know, like I got invited to minds and beta and all that, which I never used by the way. Um, but like, you know, I, I just got, it's too much. It's just too much information to take in from all angles. And there is something in particular about Facebook, which I have over the years grown to really hate that brings yes. up the worst in people, you know? And I just thought like, well, that's what happens when you put the masses online and everyone's just throwing shit at each other, like monkeys and who cares, you know? And wet sticks. Yeah, I kind of throw in the towel, you know? I mean, you do see things in like, some redeeming things in Facebook groups, which is a similar kind mm -hmm. of thing to locals where you have a shared interest mm -hmm. from the get-go mm -hmm. and people are giving each other advice and they're just talking about whatever the topic of that group is. Mm -hmm. But outside of that, you really didn't see any like, genuine social interactions happening mm -hmm. that were new, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So yeah, the, the whole, sorry, bunny trail and coming back to this, the thing that sure. makes me nuts is like when people want to argue with someone else's friend, I'm like, I don't know you. Why are you coming at me? Like, why does it matter that I agree with you? Why do you have to pounce on the tiniest little thing you disagree it's with? Strange. Can't you just 
keep scrolling and have a better day. Like, don't you have other things to do? Don't you have something right. to hug or encourage or something? Like, what's wrong with you? Okay, I'm done. It, Brand it, I think I, these people are not like that in real life. That's the weird, that's the thing you have to keep reminding yourself is mm -hmm. they would never say that to your face. Mm -hmm. They're not like that. It's like this weird thing that happens to people when they sit in front of a screen with a keyboard and, and they're right, they're, they have to fit their point into a character count. Like, I'll use Twitter as an example, because Twitter is a cesspool. It's the worst. I just don't use it anymore. I mean, I have an account where I just watch our client stuff or like occasionally mm -hmm. engage with some of the comedians and whoever else is actually good at using Twitter. Yeah. Um, but I don't use it myself. And because mm -hmm. I, I find it a cesspool. Like it's just, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's, a, it's full of like one-liners and totally baseless and, and arguments that are complete, incomplete arguments and, and one-liners. And people getting offended over, I'm like, why are you, you're not actually offended. Like just stop what you're doing, right? And think about how you feel. You're not actually offended. You're you just need other people to see <laughs> that you look offended so that you can get points. Right. I mean, it, and also, if you have any feelings associated to what you're reading on a screen, stop for a second and ask yourself, <laughs> why do I have feelings about this? Like, who cares? You know, wow. like never in my life have I ever had an interaction in real life that has any, that resembles anything that I read on Facebook and Twitter. Like it's completely fantasy land, you know? Mm -hmm. And the only people who are really good at that are like comedians and politicians and journalists who can communicate in like short one-liners, mm -hmm. a whole idea. And that's why they dominate that platform. But like mm -hmm. real life, real people doing business, trying to connect with each other, just having a conversation doesn't exist mm -hmm. on those platforms. And that kind of like silly stuff that seems like shallow is so important for socialization and like just being with your own species, you know? Mm -hmm. And I feel like those platforms attract like the worst out of people mm -hmm. and all the things that they think they're upset about you know what I mean? And it spirals them down this like yeah. toilet bowl of, yeah. you know, it, they just start to spiral out of control. Like all that yeah. social anxiety that people live with all the time, right? And makes them think all of kinds of negative thoughts about other people or whatever, mm -hmm. starts to just be totally reinforced. Yeah. Well, and doesn't the algorithm feed you stuff that you're going to disagree with? The algorithm will feed you stuff you engage with, whether it, you agree or disagree with it. Okay. They don't care. I mean, the bots are emotionless. Mm. They just want engagement numbers because without engagement numbers, they can't sell advertising. Mm. Okay. So, and I was just talking to my husband about this yesterday. I suspect based off of what I've seen on the reports for the ads that we place. So we place a lot of advertising on social for our, for our clients that there's some kind of thing going on with social where they are allowing bad, a bad algorithm and bad sort of activities on their platforms in order to inflate engagement numbers to encourage those ad dollars to keep coming in. Specifically, I think this is happening oh, on Facebook. Dirty. I have no evidence of this. Okay. It's just like, it's just weird. Some strange things have been coming being reported in some of the reports that we're getting back that didn't happen before. And I think because Facebook particularly has taken so many hits and scandals mm -hmm. in the last mm -hmm. few years um, and just bad press and a lot of people are leaving the platform. But here's the thing with Facebook, they don't leave the platform because they make it very difficult to get rid of your profile. 
right? And also people who've been on there for years, they have photos, whatever. They use it like an archive, right? They'll just stop mm -hmm. using it. But then mm -hmm. there's a way to search all these not used web, uh, profiles and sort of take them over. Scam artists and stuff do it all the time. They hack them, no whatever, idea. they'll start using them again. And I don't think Facebook is doing much about it because it will inflate their engagement numbers. So mm -hmm. I don't think it's a top priority, let's put it that way, to, to um, police that kind of stuff. Because why would you if it's inflating your right. engagement numbers right. or inflating your user base numbers? You know, I don't think Facebook has as many active users as it used to. And I think the numbers that are being mm -hmm. reported in the press about active users are less. And I think a lot of those active users may be there for alternative reasons. They're either businesses that are promoting goods mm -hmm. or they're there are people that are taking over mis uh, unused profiles or starting fake profiles for the express reason to manipulate the user base for whatever market reason they may have. So I think that a lot of that is happening that is being mixed up in their user base numbers mm -hmm. that they're reporting. So, yeah. and I, I think that's starting, starting to reveal itself on the back end of like ad placements and stuff like that. And it, that's why it feels dirtier and dirtier over time is because they're not real people, you know, like yeah. engaging with their stuff. Yeah. yeah. And like literally the only reason I'm on it is to post business stuff. If that's it, like if I do a painting, put it up, if I do, you know, I mean, I'll try to throw like little positive things out there once in a while, just to make it a little bit less horrible. Mm -hmm. um, like, hey, in case you need to hear it, you matter, the world needs you, because I need to hear that. Um, yeah. Like, maybe someone else needs, you know, so stuff like that. I just try to not get involved in all the nastiness, but yeah, it's and that's worth it. it. It is, yeah, it's hard. And there is a human thing that happens where we are attracted more to that negative sort of clickbaity stuff. Just our brains want that. You know, in a way, so it's hard to get past all that with like something just yeah. just a nice thing to say, but yeah. but it's nice to see that there's alternative platforms popping up that allow people to actually connect with each other and like a we and and like this way, you know what I mean, where you're yeah. just a person talking to a person, you know, and it's none of the bullshit. <laughs> so okay, you were talking about social media popping up. So obviously there's locals. Do you have any others that you're keeping your eye on that you like? Um, not real. I mean, a lot of them are forum based and like, I don't, I don't know. I have, some of them have attracted a not great subset of people who post online. Hmm. Okay. You know, that's why I don't like, for instance, um, I like the idea and the premise of having like censorship free, total free speech platforms. Mm -hmm. But I do think that there's a weird thing that happens where people feel, especially now, like the more they feel censored on a normal platform, the more extreme they become on a non-censored platform. Does that make sense? Almost mm -hmm. on principle. Absolutely. Yeah. Because the and people who get kicked off the mainstream ones, like for being nasty are the ones who go to the uh, you know, right. so there's just a higher it's population. Like, it's like, I'm going to be as provocative as possible mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. that's what gets, because, because just to say, fuck you, the whole world, you know, mm -hmm. and it becomes like, and that gets reinforced by other people mm -hmm. who are as equally as frustrated and it turns into like a thing. And when those people start to dominate a platform, mm -hmm. it becomes very unattractive, mm -hmm. you know? So, and I feel like that has happened a little bit with things that look like they had a lot of potential in the beginning, like mines, mm -hmm. for example, 
-hmm. when I was kind of fiddling with it in beta, had some potential in the beginning. It worked similar to locals and they had these token things that were gonna be kind of mm -hmm. like cryptocurrency or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and then it had, but it's more of like long form. So like, you know, you had people who were writers posting longer posts on there, or creative people sharing weird things, totally behind that. But then it started to take this edge at a certain point in time where a lot of people who were getting banned from other platforms were showing up there and it was like becoming more and more provocative edge to it with mm -hmm. its, with the content that people were providing or that was very clearly meant to say like, you know, you know, I, this is who I am. This is who I am politically. I'm going to screw all these guys that are making, you know, they're making it hard for me to be this way. Mm -hmm. And it was like that on repeat all the time. And like, you know, I just can't, I mean, there's even, YouTube personalities who I respect and who I think are really intelligent and like mm -hmm. I listen to from time to time. But when they when they start saying that on repeat all the time, mm -hmm. and and then it, and then all it is is they're repeating the victim story at some point that others. Mm -hmm. and I don't want to hear how it's a problem again and again yeah. and again. This goes back yeah. to the same thing I'm talking about. I don't want to hear that you have been censored again and again. And how dare mm -hmm. they do that to you again and again and again and again and again and again and again. Obviously, you're talking to me mm -hmm. right now and a lot of other mm -hmm. people. So, like, do something about it. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, like, so, solve the problem. Yeah, solve the problem. Because right now you're becoming part of the problem. And you're yeah. trying to demonize a subset of people who don't even know you exist anymore. Like, it's a total waste mm -hmm. of time. You know, yeah. they may have criticized you or banned you or whatever thoughtlessly because that's what their tribe expects them to do. But if you were to ever have a real conversation with that person, they would mm -hmm. probably listen to you in most cases, you know, if you weren't violent or aggressive with them, you know what I mean? Yeah. So. Yeah. Approach them kindly if you can. Um, Deescalate. There we go. We don't, we don't try to deescalate. <laughs> I think we might have lost that art in some ways. It's really hard to do online when you're just typing mm. as well. Like it's not it's true. So much of human communication is lost, you know, when you have mm -hmm. the filter of a, a screen. Yeah. You'd think it would make it easier to like Bridget says, pause when agitated or uncertain, but no, we don't pause. We're just like, Ugh. so mad. Hate typing. Time, timing is everything in the online world. You know, like if you true. don't, someone else might say that smart thing that you wanted to be. Mm. <laughs> no that's a good point and then you don't get that dopamine hit okay yeah. now i get yeah it's all like yeah it's all this weird anyway that's even though we work in social media i am disenchanted <laughs> with a lot of what it's done to people so there is like we've had discussions in our companies that like how do we move away from this like yeah. people it makes us money it obviously has value for businesses but then the next step is mm -hmm. we can see it falling apart like Facebook is a behemoth, but it will turn into something else and it's not going to be what it is now today. So like, right. how do we stay ahead of the game is a question that we've asked ourselves inside our company. We've had discussions about, I don't know the answer yet, but the, there is another, there's going to be a different kind of thing on the other end of this. And you can see it starting to happen. It's just that no one knows exactly what it's going to look like yet. But the challenge for us is like, how do we, be one of the first ones on the other side, you know, mm. as a small company. Yeah. You I know, think being a first adopter of locals is probably a pretty good start. 
Yeah, well, um, I mean, we're not first to talk. There's clearly more and more people all the time, but yeah. But yeah, I, I mean, that's part of it. But or also, early, maybe early, let me put it that way. Yeah, early, but also how does locals work with business? And I mean, you started a, a platform that you're hosting where businesses can share. Mm -hmm. But again, what will be lost if it's the business themselves sharing rather than the individual inside the business sharing? Like, mm -hmm. it, is it going to turn into an advertising platform again? Will people tune out? Mm -hmm. You know, and that's that's an interesting question to ask because I do yeah. think that while people do want to support small businesses, not necessarily local, because I think, you know, yes, local businesses are cool, but also small businesses in other cities, you know? So yeah. I, I feel like if it, if you start talking too much as the business mm -hmm. and it becomes more and more of like people just pitching mm -hmm. their company again and again and again and again, you lose people. So how to balance that between and, and still keep that authenticity of real yeah. humans talking to real humans is a tricky question to answer. There, I think it's a very delicate balance between the two. And it seems the exact like local, words. Sorry. Yeah. It seems yeah, like locals is not keen on becoming an advertising platform for various reasons. That's true. So. I guess I was just thinking for like networking purposes to hook people up who might want to develop like that's what I would love to see eventually is maybe someone phrased it as the conservative Etsy and I don't quite think conservative is the right word but like the non-woke Etsy or something along yeah. those lines. Well I do have a website that I, I own the domain that I'm building and it's I don't know if it's gonna, it's probably not gonna be attractive to people who tend to be more conservative in their lifestyle, nothing to do with politics, but like right. just, and they turn to, they tend to be more, cause it's a little bit edgy, but maybe it will be, I don't know. But it, the domain name is shitforyourartsygirlfriend.com. That's amazing. So I own that domain and I also own artsygirlfriendshit.com and they would go to the same place. And it, what, the idea was to have kind of a spoof of Etsy that actually sells stuff by real artists, you know? Um, and it was just gonna be localized to like the Southeast and like, and, and sell like weird stuff. Like, so one idea I had was like um, a curated selection of books based off a personality test. <laughs> so you would get like, you take a personality test and you'd get like a paper bag full of selection of used books based off your personality. Um, and you could buy it. Girlfriend. And like just silly shit like that or like funny bumper stickers or like digital prints or, yeah. you know, strange things like your owl book things that are just like very cute, but also a little bit strange. Little so quirky. Like quirky stuff, you know, funny stuff like, um, mm -hmm. like mixtapes your teenage boyfriends gave you. <laughs> like you can sell them in batches, you know, <laughs> just like weird, you know, like. I wanted it to be like that. And it was something I was just kind of playing around with, but then a lot, everything happened in 2020 and I was like, okay, right. that I'll keep the domain, but like, there's no time for this right now. So I just kind of like got pushed to the side, but I still own the domains and uh, I have like a rough draft of website kind of like put together. So it's, uh, but it's, it's static in the water right now, which I don't like. So yeah, I hate it. And so it either needs to die or it needs to do something. Otherwise, I just like, you know, but right now I feel like it still has potential. So I've just kind of left mm -hmm. it there. Mm -hmm. 
maybe we could collab right, so. on that because that I that does sound interesting and I can be quirky. Yeah, I mean it'd just be fun. I don't know if we'll make any yeah. money off of it, but it would just be like, let's try this, have yeah. some fun. Yeah. Something silly, let's see if people buy it, you know. Yes. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of been my approach ever since I started making things. Um, was like, I just want to do what's fun and see where it goes, see what happens. Cause I don't know. Like what you're saying, like, you don't know the answer to those questions. I'm like, I don't know the answer to questions either. The only way I'm going to find out is to get to the other side of it and see where we are. Well, and what happens when that happens is like, you make your own answers. So oh, I like that. I don't, I don't believe in destiny per se. I mean, I do believe that people were born with certain inclinations, you know, and their personality types and stuff, but I don't think destiny is real. I think people make, they get out of the world what they put into the world. And mm -hmm. so Yes, there's some answers. There's big questions that you ask about life that mm -hmm. there may be universal, there's universal answers to. I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about mm -hmm. just an individual's life and where it heads. Like it's a series of choices. You know what I mean? That's what it is. Yeah. The answers yeah. to the questions are already, you already made them. You just need to go find them on the other side, you know? Man, I like that. Uh, we are already at an hour and like I had this whole list of questions to ask you, <laughs> but I loved this conversation. I love where it's gone and your story is fascinating. Um, so I think we're going to have to do this again and maybe do more business nitty gritty. Oh, um, well, thank you. Yeah. I'm kind of like glad it didn't get to business nitty gritty. Yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah, we can talk about that stuff, but I do love talking. To, I mean, mm -hmm. some questions are just like straightforward and I like the ones that meander, you know, so I don't know if that was, if there were, what was on your list, but me when there's, yeah, I just like, I like those long sort of like questions that could have many different answers. Yes. Yeah. My favorite conversations are the ones that like, have five different paths that we could go down and I want to go down all of them at once. Like it's a good problem to have. Yeah, I think so too. Um, but I'm going to copy Bridget a little bit because she is my hero. Um, so I'm not going to do her same two questions, but um, tell me about a challenge you faced that you thought was insurmountable and what did you learn? Or actually, have you ever come across a challenge that you thought was insurmountable? I don't know if this would be an insurmountable problem, but I was pretty convinced before I met my husband that I would be single for my entire life. I, really, I, I think that was yeah, a problem that I created for myself that seemed insurmountable at the time. You know, so I was surprised when it was surmounted. <laughs> <laughs> That works. Surmounted is correct. No, that, that's not a word we use very often, but that's correct. I mean, okay. It was a problem that you created for yourself. Is that something, would that be the looking back? Learned? Yeah. At the time I was not aware of that. I don't think, but yeah. Okay. Um, and then in what ways do you want to grow personally and professionally? Cause currently we know you're all about the growth. Well, I would like to grow to a place where I can um, copy where I can build business infrastructure like that and copy processes that um, allow me to create several businesses. I don't think 
it's not like um I don't see myself locking into like one small business endeavor. What I like to do is I want to set them up, basically hand them over to operating partners and then go and do a new one. That's what, so that's kind of what we're doing now with our company. So we have like a core company and then several other small businesses that we're either going to absorb or put under a holding company um, sort of situation structure. So what I would like to do is I would like to be, someone who is known for starting successful small businesses and helping others take control over their little chunk of the world. You know what I mean? Like other creatives, like kind of giving them a pathway to business infrastructure that still uses their creativity, you know? So um, I guess that's where my growth is going is, is figuring out how to make small business powerful. Um, by kind of combining them and, and make, giving them like a voice that's very strong in the community. Um, but I, I don't really know if that's, I'm being articulate about that actually, but that's kind of where I'm going. I feel like I'm now, I have to you're figure out down. a way, you know, it's a good question because I really should figure out a way to articulate that in this, in like a concise, clear way. Cause I feel like I'm not clear with it right now. Yeah. But the only thing I do know for sure is that the change is constant and that that's a good thing and mm -hmm. that there will be growth, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, and I think in this day and age that change comes so fast. Like it, yeah. it used to not be like this. Like you could know the same thing and survive, um, but it's just not like that anymore. So I think you are particularly well equipped to deal with the world we're in right now. And I'm so glad I know. Yeah, you. it moves fast. I like moving fast. <laughs> so. yeah, that's awesome. So um, do your plugs. <laughs> oh, right. So we're GhostRock, GhostRockDigital.com. Um, we do content creation, so photography, video production, uh, copywriting, um, and we basically can take over your online presence on your behalf, so you can focus on what you do best, which is your business. Um, we build websites, we design logos, we'll do a total rebrand. Um, we'll also do, if you need any advice or you just wanna hit us up and be like, I'm stuck, I'm lost, I'm depressed, hit me up, because I'll tell you to stop all that and get on, get on with your business. <laughs> Yeah, so if you need that, then yeah, I mean, send us a message. Um, we, I also manage Vintage Voyage. I own and operate that company. I'm also the founder and that we um, rehab and design vintage campers, pull behinds. They're so cool, by the way. Like, I can't wait. Every time you're, you get another one, I can't wait to see how you roll it out and what it's going to turn into. It's, well, it's going to be cool. It's not me totally rolling out. So Jordan Blaze is the first artist for the Mothership, which is 1960s space theme. So each camper is designed by a different local artist. Um, and they have free reign of how they want to do it um, within a theme of the time period in which the camper was built. So our next one is going to be dark aesthetic, um, bones, bugs, dead flowers kind of stuff. So, so cool. it's going to be, I don't want to say God, like definitely dark, dark aesthetic, which is very popular in this region, by the way. Um, so it's going to have like a nineties goth butt. Um, so that's the next one. And, uh, that's a unique travel experience. That's totally off the grid and independent. So we got that idea from the restriction of travel during COVID and, um, I'm a, 
uh, my husband and I are obsessed with road tripping. So this is sort of an idea that came out of that. Each one will be powered by solar panels and you can go off the grid and boondock on private property so you don't have to be around anybody else so you can go safe and secure and totally unique. Yeah. That sounds absolutely incredible. This is Serenity Maker with the currently nameless podcast reminding you to bet on Main Street and shop locals.